Hi, I'm Gina Schock from the Go-Go's, fabulous drummer of the Go-Go's, and you're listening to Modern Musicology. So, you know, pay attention. You might learn something. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Music fans, what's up? Welcome to Modern Musicology. My name is Alan, and with me I have DJ and journalist Rob Levy. Sup? Music connoisseur, bass player, and guy from London, Anthony Williams. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. And solo artist, former Aquanetta's drummer, and bird enthusiast, Stephanie Seymour. Hello, everybody. And I don't know why I went into a weird accent when I like, <laughs> okay. did all that introduction, but hey, there it is. All right, so this week, uh, we are going to be talking about some of our favorite concert experiences. Um, we are all big concert goers, and, you know, Stephanie at least has actually toured and done concerts. So yeah. we're going to be talking about our, our concert history. I'm sure this is not a topic we'll wrap up in one show, so I'm sure this will continue on. But we're going to talk about some of the things that we've had great shows that we've seen, surprising things that have happened, maybe bad experiences. We'll see. I'm curious to know, first of all, what you guys have been listening to this week. Rob, what, what you've been doing this week? Um, so I've been listening to the Reds, Pinks, and Purples, uh, which is from Oakland. It's Glenn Donaldson. Uh, he basically makes a record a week uh, in his living room. The guy makes more records in his living room than a human being should be allowed, but they're all like just really just beautifully haunting melodies and they're terrific uh so they only want your soul is his new one um i'm sure next week i'll have a whole new one to tell you about but he's he's amazing uh also i saw godspeed you black emperor this week uh so to get ready for that i listened to their recent album uh luciferian towers and it's you know very sort of dense it's really heavy i I just love what they do with percussion on this record um, and heighten the percussion more in this record than they have in a couple others. That's great. And then um, I reluctantly went into the new Arctic Monkeys album, The Car, um, not knowing what to expect. And it's really subdued. It's really quiet. Um, it's one of those albums that I love where you listen to it and you go, there's not a hit. There's not a single on that record. Right. And so that's what I love about it is there's nothing that said that stands out as like a single and as a whole sort of album, it's very interesting. So that's my long and short of what I've been listening to. All right, Steph, lay it on us. Okay, well, the main thing I've been listening to is um, Arcade Fire's new album called We. We. We with it like a W-E, not O-U-I. This is the French, we, we. But um, <laughs> it's, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's Arcade Fire. They're fucking fantastic. The, the, my favorite song on it is End of the Empire, which is sort of like this four-part kind of song that's like, I think it's like nine minutes long. But, you know, it's a very um, topical, like, topical album about all the kind of anxiety and shit going down in the world. And I just think it's, you know, it's really, it speaks to all that and it speaks to me. So I've been listening to that. And then the other thing I've been listening to is 
Alan, your podcast, which uh, which is the seven minute, like we pick a song with, you know, mm-hmm. what the, please say the name of it, Alan. It's called Alan's Record Bin. Thank you. I've been listening to those three episodes that are unknown and look forward to more. And my friend uh, Crystal also, ha- Crystal Durant has a podcast called Original Versus Cover, where she will play a few Ooh. Songs that are like the original ones, and then the, a few covers. Like she does, like she she cuts them so there's like three or four in a row of the same like verse and chorus. Say, and then they have to, her and her, her friend like they pick a winner. It's so awesome. They That's do like great five or idea. six songs for a podcast. Yeah, it's oh, great. I'm I'm gonna start listening to that. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> All right, Anthony, what's a good word? So I once again got sucked into listening to a lot of Porcupine Tree this week. So just Surprise. take that as read. But I've also been on a bit of an Italo disco binge. I started going down the rabbit hole there. Wow. Um, yeah. So a few weeks ago, I went to a local brewery and they were playing this song and I shazammed it and was like, oh, this is really good. So I started <laughs> figuring out, okay, what genre is this? And I went on Spotify and found a playlist and found i apparently really like ken laszlo ken laszlo is fantastic Hmm. um Hmm. so yeah yeah just a huge amount of italo disco which seems a bit random um not my usual kind of listening but very fun very very awesome that's awesome that's all i've really got to shout out about yeah um i haven't listened to a whole lot this week because i lost my earbuds and i had to order a new set and they there was a delay in them arriving so they just got here yesterday so i didn't have any time to really listen to much at all yesterday so i got nothing except (laughs) that we're recording this on um november 6th and last night was the rock and roll hall of fame induction ceremony so i've been really resisting the temptation to you know, spend the entire afternoon on YouTube and looking up the performances. I've seen a couple. Um, Part of the finale was uh, the whole gang together on stage doing Dolly Parton's Jolene. And that was really, really cool. And there's another song that they did after that. I don't know what it is because all the videos that I found of it stop when they say, we've got one more song. And so I still don't know what the last song is. Um, other than that, I, I I I sort of scanned through the Pat Benatar performance, and it sounds really good. Just one of her songs. I haven't listened to all three of them yet. Um, just Heartbreaker, and it sounds great. So I'm excited. I can't so wait excited. to see the the whole thing is going to be broadcast on HBO Max on November 19th. I can't wait to see the whole thing. So cool. so maybe we'll have to do a show about that after it. So anyway. That's it. Let's talk about some of the concerts that we have seen in our lifetime. Good ones, bad ones, fun ones, shocking ones, you know, disastrous ones. I want to hear the disastrous ones. I mean, we talked all about Woodstock 99. There's nothing more disastrous than that. No. So uh, throw out some some things. What have you what have you done? What are some of the things that you've seen that you really stand out in your mind? So I'm not sure if it's just been because of getting back into it after the COVID years. But every show I've seen this year mm-hmm. has just felt better. Oh, yep. yeah. Um, you know, I, I started out. The first show I saw was Sparks, and I think when we talked about that earlier in the year, and Rob, I think you agreed with me, I said that felt almost spiritual. Mm. Yes, it did. Oh, my God. And something about it was just so, so special, and I'm not sure if it was just because it was my first show in, like, two and a half years. 
Yeah. Or if they were just that damn good. Yeah. But, they were that good. And then, you know, the next thing I saw was Porcupine Tree. And mm. again, post-COVID, or the fact that this is a band I never thought I'd get to see live, and they were really good as well. And and then the third one was Bloody Wood, who actually they were great. The sound was awful. <laughs> Yeah. Um, at the masquerade, they just had the volume turned way up, and Ugh. I think my ears were ringing for days afterwards. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah the band think, were great. I I think I'm I'm totally with you. Literally every show that we've gone to this year has been good, but there's been a couple that were like just amazing. Like Sparks was almost like cathartic, mm-hmm. and. Um, I've not really experienced that kind of a euphoria before, um, or at least I forgot what it was like. But then the next night, uh, we saw Nick Cave and Warren Ellis, and it was a totally different type of euphoria. I mean, it was like grief and loss and sadness, but it was also all about the craftsmanship of live performance and songwriting and performance, um, that too. And then... Um, I saw OMD in Atlanta, and every time I see OMD, they're terrific and amazing. Um, and their 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 live show, it's like I don't I don't know where it came from because I saw them in the early two thousands, and it was there. But they've really like the last fifteen years, their live shows have just gotten great. Thievery Corporation, I saw them. Then they brought like fifteen different singers with them, so every singer that has ever sang on one of their records came out and sang. Um, like just like a rotating group of singers. It was really cool. You know, we saw the Pet Shop Boys in New Order. That was actually good because neither band has been the first one you think of of like a great, a great live band. So, yeah, I mean, it's been really good for live music this year. It's been, you know, and even um, I saw Wet Leg in Atlanta and they were phenomenal. Just mm-hmm. like they were having so much fun. It was great just to see a band have fun. Yeah. Right? Do, you, do you think part of it, Rob, is, again, it's coming out of COVID and most of these bands haven't been on the road for two and a bit years. So it's not necessarily that it's just feeling amazing to us, but they're out there getting to do what I they think, love again after an enforced hiatus. I think some, one, I think some of it is that, right? Uh, although some of them have been able to tour Europe but not come to America. So I think some of it is that I think some of it though too is that like okay we understand that the amount you know we're playing fewer dates so every you have to give more bang for your buck because the cities where they're going is shorter so there's more people traveling for the concert experience now uh this year so I think that's part of it but I also think too that some of these bands at least the ones that are you know good and decent feel like wow these tickets are really expensive we need to make it worth their while for the people coming to see us yeah. I almost think there's an added pressure to like show up, and, right? And to your point, Porcupine Tree played for nearly three hours when I saw yeah. them, and when they said this is going to be our last song, people in the audience still went boo. <laughs> <laughs> and Stephen Wilson was like, "Come on, we've played for three hours and we're all in our sixties. It's like going to a yeah. Bruce concert; you'll never leave." <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, yeah, totally yeah. true. <laughs> That's but cool. I, yeah, I, I think the game is the game is up with that. You know, yeah. I think that. Live music is back. And, you know, I just having said that, too, please go support your local bands and local bars and uh, support your local cover bands and your local musicians, 
Give them your money. If you're going to buy a CD at a show from a band that's touring, buy it from their table instead of like Amazon or something. So they get the money and, um, you know, show some show some love back. All good advice. That's right. But I'm going to take it to the ven- the big venues of like Madison Square Garden right now. Because <laughs> when, when you, you know, we're talking about this topic, I just always think of what's the what are the shows that I have like flashes in my memory from yeah. that never leave me, you know, that have never left me, even from when I was really young, when I was a kid. I mean, and I, my obvious pick, number one pick is the the police in Gogo's concert at the Garden. And um, I mean, that changed your life. It changed my freaking <laughs> life. So that is, you know, it's why I started playing drums. It's why it's it. I mean, I can remember being there and remember feeling like the the whole garden was shaking when everyone's ju- jumping up and down. It was just like the most amazing feeling, you know. And just also at that time, I was fifteen. It was just like I was doing something on my own, away from my parents, and then you know, you know, it's like a little independence. I was in New York city and it was just so fabulous. So that's, that's my number one pick, but I have to say there's a couple of venues that I used to go to quite frequently. And one of those was the Ritz, which is now, I believe it's still Webster hall, but I still think of it as the Ritz. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I can think of two shows that I saw there um, that just were mind blowing. Um, one was the alarm and Bono came out actually at that show. Oh, cool. And I do remember, like you're saying the good and the bad, but that was such a great show because they were, so, it was so like, just, they were so earnest and mind blowing and powerful. But then I was in the front, right at the front of the stage. And when Bono came out, the whole crowd pushed up ahead and tried to like, and I was in the front. So I kind of had to get pulled over the bear. The guy pulled me over the oh, thing wow. and like, cause I was like, I'm going to die, but oh, um, no. I'm 17 and I'm going to die. <laughs> but, um, and also at the Ritz and you just mentioned him, Rob, um, Nick cave, I, Nick cave and the bad seeds. One of the best shows mm-hmm. I've ever seen. I just remember mm-hmm. being at the sitting in the balcony, watching it and just, my mind like exploding. I think it was for um the what was the album with Diana and uh oh yeah um, it was that album um I'm I'm totally blanking. But I, anyway. You know, and before this show, when I yeah. saw him on this tour, I had not seen him since Lollapalooza. He's never played here outside of Lollapalooza, mm-hmm. and he getting tickets to Chicago to see him is just like good luck, right? Right. Um, and I remember Lollapalooza when I saw him, and it was like it was seventy. 879 degrees, you know, and humid as hell. And yeah. he's got the whole full black outfit on. And it was still great. It was only like, I think an hour and 10 minutes set, but it was really good. And that was back then, you know, he's yeah. just never, he's never been bad, I don't think. And no. I remember the other thing I remember too is during the pandemic, I watched a lot of streaming concerts, right? And I remembered the first one out of the gate that I saw during the pandemic was the Nick Cave at the Alexander Palace mm-hmm. concert, which is him and the piano. Yes. And I'm like, okay, this is a man who's lost his son and it's sad. But I also remember that in the same way that Sparks was very euphoric um, for the coming out of the pandemic, I just remember feeling that that concert was a huge release Mm -hmm. of just the frustration and sort of miserableism of being in the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's amazing. The album that that tour, by the way, that I saw them was was the Tender Prey album. But um, yeah, that's it. I just want to say the other venue that I that I am thinking of that I always used to, um, well, always, but went to frequently was the Bottom Line in New York City. And Mm. again, two shows that are Mm. absolute standouts. One was Melissa Etheridge and I, we were actually, it was her first record that we were working on Island. So our whole company went and it was just a big industry, industry kind of showcase thing to show 
Uh, but we were literally, I think people were lit like on their chairs, ha like hanging from the rafters. I mean, you know, you think of Melissa Etheridge, I'm, I, I don't, she's so huge now, but then it was such a brand new experience to see her. And she was so passionate and so just mm -hmm. energetic and amazing. She was fantastic. And like we, the whole place was going bananas. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. Wow. And the other show that I also feel like people were hanging from the rafters from was the Wendy and Lisa show. Ooh. Uh, just to see a stage full of all women, you know, Carla Azar on drums, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know, just, I mean, it was, and um, what's Wendy's sister's name? Susanna. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, just all of, all of them just blowing people's minds, you mm -hmm. know? And that was very inspirational too, because just to, for you know, as a, on a personal note, that was also the year that was 1990. And that was when I was recording with the Aquanetas and we were going to go on tour. Or we may, maybe had already done that, but it was just like, just to see that and, you know, see those women, it was really moving. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm going to put you on the spot, Steph. Mm -hmm. So I want to know what was the best show you ever played with the Aquanetas and what was the weirdest place you ever played with the Aquanetas? Oh. <laughs> Let me answer that second question okay. first. The weirdest. No, we have a couple weirdest ones, but one was like we played somewhere in Florida that was literally like, you know, that movie Roadhouse where there <laughs> yes. it was that. And we walked in and we were like, oh, my fucking God, there was guys there with like beer bottles that they were there had a net in front of the stage because people would chuck shit. Yep. I've heard so we about were that. like, yep. this is terrible. <laughs> so that didn't, that didn't go so great. The other, which I think I might've mentioned on the show before, but we, we uh, had two dates opening for nine inch nails in Texas. And there was in the first club, there was no air conditioner. It was the summer. It was about 120 degrees in the club. Oh and gosh. it was us, then meet Beat Manifesto, who were great guys, by the way. And they fucking love, yes. we just love them. They were so oh, wow. awesome. Yeah, those guys are great. And we had like an all night motel party with them in the pool and everything. It was so fun. At least they made up for the shit that we got spit on. We got like shit thrown at us. It was just the worst. And then it happened again, like the next night in San Antonio. Wow. Oh, <laughs> no. Like, this is the worst bill ever. <laughs> oh, my gosh. As far as the best might have been um, one of those big radio shows that we did. It was like. I don't remember the call letters, but it was something in Arizona. We got flown out. It was like one of those giant festival things. We played with like our friends, like the Dharma Bombs and I don't know, just a whole bunch of bands. It was like really super cool because we were, we were, you know, like treated really well. We got like deli platters and everything all the time, you know, it was one of those giant festivals. So that was mm, cool. Yeah. And also I have to say touring in the Shetland Islands and was pretty special and magical and just doing a UK tour in general was special and magical. Did so. you get to ride a Shetland pony? We did not, but we, Aww. we wish we did. <laughs> <laughs> no, we saw the one tree that lives on Shetland Island though. <laughs> <laughs> there aren't many bands that say that they toured in Shetland. Island, yeah. So that's pretty that's, cool. That's kind of a cool story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thanks for asking. <laughs> what about you? You, you guys well, have played some weird places, I'm sure. Um, I remember uh, I used to be in a band in Florida um, and we played 
oh god we played at a, a roller skating rink one time <laughs> and that was interesting uh we we actually had two different gigs on the same night so one was like a multi-band thing in one town and uh we were kind of early on the bill because we had this other thing the the the, the roller skating rink show was <laughs> scheduled for later that night so we were like I mean, we're nobodies and none of the bands on this show were nobodies, you know. And so we're like, yeah, we got to we're early on the set because we got to get our stuff and get packed up. And we got the show in this other town we've got to play. <laughs> we were just thought we were the badasses, you know. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, my gosh. Um, but speaking of roller rinks. OK. Oh, my God. So there's a <laughs> there's a there's a band that used to be Prince had his own record label for a short while called Paisley Park Records. And there was a band on there called Maserati. Loved them and loved that album. I played it. I was working at Specs Music in uh, Winter Haven, Florida at the time, and I played it all the time. And my coworkers were like, oh, God, he's playing that fucking album again. But every time I would play it, I would sell copies of it because people would hear it. They'd be like, I've never heard anything like this. This is amazing. And they'd buy copies. So there was a guy who owned a, a roller skating rink down the street from the store. And he came in all the time and he bought you know, like whatever the, the hottest top 10 records were. He would buy the singles, you know, and play him at the roller skating rink or whatever. And he's like, I'm going to book Maserati to come and play at my place. And I'm like, cool. Cool. <laughs> so he gave me free tickets because I promoted it and played the album all the time. And every time somebody asked, I'd say, hey, man, these guys are going to be playing at the roller skating rink right down the street. <laughs> so we get to the thing the night of and it's Maserati. I mean, I was like so excited. My best friend and I at the time, John, we were like super into this. We go to the show, and I swear to God, there's like 10 people. <laughs> 10 fucking people at this show. And to their credit, those guys came out on stage fully dressed. I mean, they you know looked like they were part of the Prince camp. Put on a hell of a show for the 10 fucking people that cool. were there. I was, I was really impressed with them. But That's that was cool. just the weirdest, probably the weirdest show I've ever seen. It was like, this guy spent all this money to get this touring band, you know, not a big band, but, you know, they were doing their thing and yeah. 10 people show up at it. It's it hilarious. <laughs> this isn't so much a bad experience, but one of the strangest experiences I had was back at the end of 2006, I went to see Iron Maiden play two nights running at Earl's Court. So I went to both shows and the first night something blew uh, behind the scenes and completely cut their sound and apparently when they all came back on they explained like there was this giant cable that apparently caught fire and <laughs> nice um so there was about 20 minutes of the show where they couldn't play anything there was no sound and they were just messing around on stage uh, a couple of them did a silly little jig and then someone managed to procure a soccer ball or as we would call it back oh. home a football of course. And Iron Maiden just for about 20 minutes had a kick around on stage. No. While they waited for someone to fix the sound. That's so awesome. <laughs> you were watching sports instead of music. <laughs> Wasn't quite what I was expecting to see in that show. Um, but <laughs> Steve Harris, their bassist, is a huge, huge football fan. So I'm not really surprised that someone had a ball backstage and that they could just have a bit of fun and keep us vaguely entertained while someone fixed the sound system. Wow. And then someone 
replace the faulty equipment and they just continued with the show like the consummate professionals that they are mm, that's really cool that is that sounds hilarious there was a couple of there was actually rush i, I used to go they would always come to lakeland civic center and they would play two nights usually they would book one night and then it would sell out immediately so they'd have to book a second night so i would go two nights i've only i only did it twice i think i would go two nights i'd go one and sit with friends and watch the show and then the second night i would go and watch i sit kind of behind and just watch neil peart do his thing oh, mm. you man that was that was an amazing experience yeah just to watch him and and having already seen the show you don't have to worry about you know what songs they're playing you don't have to worry about you know they're projecting this on the screen behind the laser show mm -hmm. any of that stuff i could just look at neil and watch what he's <clears> doing and that was that was unbelievably cool. I had something sort of similar. Um, Galaxy 500 opened for the Cocteau Twins at the American Theater here on that last Cocteau Twins tour. And I was also, Rough Trade had set it up so I could interview Dean Wareham. So I did an interview with Dean and um, got that done. And I was leaving. And when I was leaving, Elizabeth Fraser from the Cocteau Twins was doing her sound check. Oh. So on the side of the stage, in the dark, except for a spotlight, is just her singing all by herself. <gasps> That's and like I sat my there dream for, come true. I sat there for like 20 minutes and I was just kind of mortified and I didn't move. Um, and I didn't even see her come off stage. And she's like, oh, did you like that? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> 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 um, so that was good. That was, that was a hoot. Holy um, mackerel. And then while nowhere as neat as uh, Steph World here, but when, so Ladytron did a tour of America and they played a show here. And I got a call from the venue about a week out. It's like, they don't have an opener. I'm like, okay. It's like, so they just said, find a local DJ to do it. So we, we, we slotted you. So I had a 45 minute set ready to like actually go on a, you know, it's, it's one thing, it's sort of an insult to musicians, really, because musicians hone their craft, and I just go out with this big little thing and press buttons and move things. It's totally right. Um, so it was, I had 45 minutes of stuff ready, and then they were, like, not at the venue. So then I had to do another 25, and I did not have that planned. So that was fun. Hmm. Uh, I do remember I played the theme from SWAT that night. That was fun. And then when I left, they were on the side of the stage. Like, oh, that was really great. I'm like, oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> and then I got, you know, they asked for my info or whatever, right? I'm like, sure, whatever. And then uh, about two months after the tour ended, I got this, like, limited edition print thing they were selling on the tour. And they all signed it. And then they wrote me a nice little note saying Aww. thanks for doing that. So that was pretty cool. Oh, that was sweet. That is yeah. nice. I do remember um, as well seeing the Pogues. Uh, which is still in my top five mm -hmm. on the If I Should Fall from Grace with God tour. Who got you and tickets? I was just about to say, this woman named <laughs> Steph got me tickets. <laughs> um, and I remember telling you this, I got the, I got the program book signed. Well, everybody was freaking out because everybody got it signed, but they couldn't get Shane, right? And I was like finishing talking to Daryl Hunt. And he goes, oh, you don't have Shane. I go, no, he goes, let me go find him. So I'm like, okay. He goes, don't move. So he comes back. Shane McGowan, like, 
was so drunk, he was leaning against the doorframe. That's weird. Just kidding. And somebody, <laughs> and somebody was holding him up at the same time while he was leaning against the doorframe, right? And then Terry Woods takes, gives him a pen, and <laughs> Shane, and then he's like, Shane, you have to move the pen, <laughs> right? And he, so Shane's like, and surprisingly, you can actually read the autograph thing on it. And uh, he's like, I'm very sorry. I've had a little bit of a little bit to drink. <laughs> By his standards, it probably was. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then That's um funny. So that that was great. And That's then cool. the next time we came through with Shane McGowan and the Popes, he was so drunk that they gave him a spittoon on the side of the stage. And he'd like sing a song and then go throw up and then go Ew. back home. No. Wow, that's yeah. not good. That sounds and then pleasant. Westerberg, we saw the replacements. Um, Steph, I think I told you about this because I was so giddy the next day. Mm-hmm. And Paul Westerberg threw his back out or something. Something was up with Westerberg. I don't think he was drunk, but I, he hurt his back, right? Halfway through the show. So he lay on the ground with mm. the guitar and somebody who was like one of the sound tech guys. Um, turned the mic down and he's like lying flat on his back and singing and playing for the show. That was pretty cool. Wow. That is pretty cool. That's good on you. Right. Because gee, you could have just walked off stage or hobbled. Right. Yeah. So I, I think the only story I have about a front man being almost too drunk to play the show was 2009. I went to one of the Marillion weekends in the Netherlands and, you know, it's like a big three-day thing and they put up the the fans in like a local holiday resort and it's all inclusive, your food, your alcohol. Well, I think alcohol was extra, but the Friday and the Saturday shows went great without a hitch. And then we're all in the tent waiting for the band to take stage on Sunday. And suddenly we hear a voice over the, the tannoy asking for someone to get you know come to the back of the stage or the sound desk or wherever it was turned out this guy was the singer of a marillion tribute band and apparently what had happened was steve hogarth had spent the day drinking with fans oh no (laughs) no and just having a real nice time and um i don't know what lucy who's their manager did to sober him up but she got him just sober enough to do the show Oh my God, that's wow. that's good. <laughs> but they were honestly thinking about putting a a tribute band singer. <laughs> that, up guy, on that, stage that guy, that guy is so band. sad that that didn't happen. He's like, "That right. was my chance, my shot." <laughs> so <laughs> I was almost in the door, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they didn't do it that year, but some of so he has sung on stage with them before because some years in the uh, in the convention they will do a little segment that they call "Swap the Band." That's like oh, an extra. Cool short set on one of the afternoons before the real Marillion set. And literally you apply beforehand and say, I want to play bass or guitar or drums. And this is the song I want to do. That's amazing. And they will select about six people to do it. And they'll do a little short set of about six songs and just sub people in for members of the band. Oh, that's so nice. Um, And that is cool. Alan probably knows this. They've had two different lead singers over their career. Their first singer was there for their first four albums. Yeah. And then the newest singer has been there for the subsequent 16 albums or however many it's been. <laughs> there are lots of songs from those first four that he refuses to sing because the lyrics don't resonate with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and songs that fans would dearly love to see. 
And yeah. so they've done a few of them during Swap the Band, which have always, from the footage I've seen, had absolutely huge reactions. And I've been oh, very sure. sad I've missed them. All right, we're going to take a super quick break right here to uh, advertise one of our fellow shows on our podcast network. So we'll be back in 30 seconds. Don't go anywhere. You know what now is a good time for? It's time for a promo for the Cosmic Pizza Podcast. The Cosmic Pizza Podcast, you say? Hmm, that sounds delicious. What is that? It's a delicious slice of life. In every episode? In every episode, where we talk about conspiracy theories, cartoons of our childhood, Star Trek quizzes, movies that we've liked, hard racing, general pop culture, fantasy recasts. But what we don't talk about is pizzas. Right here on the ESO Network. All right, and we are back. Rob, I want to tell you, uh, you talked about a sound check show. My, the best sound check experience I ever had was um, I mentioned in a previous show that Yes did a tour where uh, they did an album where they didn't have a keyboard player. And so they used an orchestra and they did, a, they did an orchestral tour. They did a tour where they did a, like a local symphony orchestra on every stop of the tour, um, would learn their stuff and do the show with them. And at the time, I was working at the High Museum of Art, which is part of the Woodruff Art Center, which includes the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra. And I knew people who worked for the orchestra. So I was like, dude, you got to get me in to see the rehearsal in the afternoon, assuming that Yes was going to be rehearsing with the orchestra. They did not. But I did get to see the orchestra rehearse the whole show. Oh, and that's cool. that was just the coolest thing and so um and it was just me like i was just kind of yeah. hanging out in the in the venue you know watching the symphony do their thing and um it was so cool and i was talking to a, some of the was it it wasn't the conductor who was it it was somebody that i was talking to afterward you know the aso they do all these kind of things they'll do like you know a country artist or a pop artist or whoever is coming they do the little tour and they do a show with the orchestra or whatever and i said i bet this was a lot different than most of those kind of shows that you guys do because you know the songs that you guys are playing a lot of them are in these weird time signatures and you know are you know strange arrangements and the songs are 30 minutes long and and he was like oh yeah the players actually had to work for this one wow <laughs> <laughs> like damn right that's funny because <laughs> they were playing like their really amazing like ritual which is a 30 minute really intricately or orchestrated song and you know, stuff like that and it was just incredible your um story is reminding me of uh, uh, <laughs> some weird tangent of bittersweet symphony by the verve and that is and that's actually one of my all-time favorite well i've seen the verse so many times um just because we i used to work their records but it you know it's amazing when you get to work something that is like your favorite stuff you know like i you know we used to work u2 album and they're one of my favorite bands too and that's of course some of my favorite shows of all time i don't think i could ever pick one but um, but anyway, the Verve played. Uh, there was one super memorable show that they played downtown in New York City at a church. It, it was actually it it was an old church that they played in, um, that was converted to a venue, and it was it really was like a religious experience at the church seeing the Verve because they like transported everyone to this whole other world. They, if you've ever seen them or heard them, I mean, 
really seeing them as seeing them live is something different than listening to the records because you, it's like so like you're it's like you're in a trance or that they get they work the audience into this kind of trance like state and and it's just takes you away so that that was one of the most favorite shows of all time but um I did mention you two and I have a funny story about when I was probably like 16 or 17 and I had scalped like the best tickets for the show I was probably like the second or third row and I you know they were really strict about don't go in the aisles because of whatever the security guards are always really strict about that but they came out for an encore and they they, they went into the first riffs of Gloria and I jumped out of the, my chair and I must have hit into the aisle and I'm standing there freaking out and singing and a security guard grabs my hair, like grabs me from the, from like my hair oh my and gosh. pulls me down the aisle. Like I was like going to fight the guy. I don't know what he thought. <laughs> and oh just like drags me. I'm like, nope, my friends. He's like, nope, you're coming with me. And I had to go sit like in the back, like I was putting in the, in the corner, like in a school or something. It was Did like, put a dunce hat on you too. Yeah. I mean, it oh was so God. terrible. And thank God it was the encore because I would have been so pissed to have to pay yeah. like, you know, $200 for front row tickets, which by the way, Way was a lot of money then it's a lot of money now <laughs> yeah it is yeah so that's that, that was two hundred dollars my... to see anybody even now yeah i and i i you were mentioning some weird band experience i i just have one that wasn't that great just because they were boring to me uh i i saw i love the cars and i i just love all their records but there was no reason, I guess, to go see a car show because it sounded like they're yes. playing their record and they didn't yeah. do any. It was like I remember seeing them at the it was uh, in Queens at the well, it's like the Arthur Ashe Stadium now. Yeah. But God, what a fucking boring show that was. They I've sounded great, but boy, oh, boy, they were boring. Yeah, I've heard that about them. Yeah. The only time so, I've ever seen them was on Live Aid on the watching the video. Eh, it was all right. Steph, you mentioned um a special venue mm. and that's one of the things i wanted to touch on before we wrap up tonight is kind of iconic venues and almost strange places to see certain bands i mean i saw judas priest at the fox theater here in atlanta which is you know a very yeah. picturesque beautiful theater yeah mm -hmm. and that seemed a little surreal seeing a heavy metal band there um Mark yeah. Knopfler at the Royal Albert Hall. That was really, really Oh my cool. gosh. I bet that was amazing. Yeah. And he's he's phenomenal as an artist. And that's yeah. a show I always go to with my mother because she's a big, big Dire Straits fan. Um, I've seen him several times, always with her. And um, actually, also Judas Priest at the Royal Albert Hall. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And, um, and Steve Hogarth, Marillion singer at the Union Chapel in London. That was, mm. to your point, Steph, seeing an artist at a church yeah. is a very spiritual and almost religious experience. Yeah, well. I saw I saw Tom Jones at the Limelight mm. when I lived in New York, and he was the early show. It was like the 8 o'clock show, and then the In Spiral Carpets was the late show. It was like both of them the same night. It was really weird. Wow. Jarring at both of that. Um, still the absolute best show I saw was, and this is probably my craziest concert night ever, um, was September of 96. I was at CMJ. And Johnny Cash played, um, and I got there early. And uh, at the limelight? No, not the oh, limelight. Okay. It was, uh, God, where else was this? Um, 
it was I, I don't remember where it was now, dig. But he played. Um, he was supposed to headline, but he came out on stage after this after Band of Susans and said, "Hi, I'm Johnny Cash." It was like just sort of like everybody went nuts. He goes, "I'm a tired old man, so I've made an arrangement with my new friends from Wilco to let them play later tonight, and I'm going to play some songs now." Right. <laughs> so then he brought out June, and Aww. it was two and a half hours and it was frigging the closest thing to like near death experience you could possibly have in terms of just being musically thrilled it was amazing wow so then because he switched spots i was able to jump in a cab go across town and see george clinton which i think was at the old dance interior but i'm not sure right for cmj so i saw a 45 minute set of george clinton and then i had enough time when that ended, to get the twelve fifteen or the eleven fifteen set of Einstein's Unnamed <laughs> at the limelight. At the limelight. Like, <laughs> so that was like the weirdest seven hours of music I've ever sort of had. Yeah. And those CMJ festivals um, were known for that. You could just jump around because I saw like um, yeah. Blur, Slow Dive, and I think. Uh, the far side and tribe called quest like in one night too. Cause they always had these weird. Yes. Sort of they, uh, you could, Oh, you had to pick and, and choose where you were going to go to, to, but that, 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 yeah. And that Johnny cash show. That's I'm, cool. I'm so incredibly lucky. I got to see him. Yeah. Um, Cause the Pogues was still the best show I'd ever seen until that point. Yeah. And it was, yeah. Anthony, to your, to your point about venues, uh, one uh, memorable show that stands out for me is um, Daniel Lenoir at the town hall here in New York city. It, I mean, the venue is really just a beautiful, you know, place to see some, see a band, but um, it was for, for the beauty of Winona album, which is my favorite album of his. And my friend Robert took me to see him. And I, I don't know if I had the album before I went to that show. I can't remember, honestly, but the show blew me away. I, it was, you know, him and two other guys and, and the sound, the sonic force of just those three guys on stage from, from, from just, you know, just mellow songs to stuff that they really built up and just like the whole venue, like people were on, the, you could feel everyone was like on the edge of their seat because it was so exciting. So that was a great place to see a show. And also in in LA, the Wiltern Theater. That was the first place I ever saw Crowded House, which was 1986, which oh, basically wow. changed my life for an, for like a second time because I just oh, I was a huge Split Ends fan fan, but I and I had never gotten to see them. But uh, seeing Crowded House was just wow. Just hmm, I'll never forget that and being at that beautiful theater, hearing that beautiful music. It's nice when a band like really lives up to your expectations and puts on a phenomenal show. I know mm-hmm. I, I've already mentioned it once tonight, but for the sake of a second time, Porcupine Tree at Radio City. Mm. I mean, you know, bucket list band at a bucket list venue. What more could you want? Like, yeah, you know, Radio there's City's- just something really special about seeing that combination of a band you've always wanted to see. It's a venue you've always mm-hmm. wanted to go to. Yeah, I saw the Pretenders there. I remember very vividly because that's yeah, right. The venue, that venue is so amazing. Mm-hmm. My only bucket list venue really is Red Rocks. Oh, I've oh. been there. Yeah, oh, I knew you had. I just had a feeling that you had <laughs> been there. I would love to see a show there sometime. You want to know honestly? I can't remember what I saw there, but I remember being at Red Rocks. Isn't that oh, weird? 
That is. It weird. was something for. It was something with our record company. Like when I was working mm-hmm. at Virgin. Mm-hmm. I mean, it might have even been like we saw the Chemical Brothers there or something like that. I can't oh, remember okay. at all. But yeah. But well, it, sure, I just remember the venue. I'm sure at that time you were seeing so many shows. Yeah, I was. <laughs> yeah. So you know that's understandable. I, I think, Alan, to your point, the I probably have three more venues that I consider bucket list that I haven't been to, and that would be the Greek in LA. Masonic in San Francisco, and I think the Bataclan in Paris. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I wouldn't mind seeing something at the Hollywood Bowl sometime. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. That, I always think about that because of the Go Go's. Like they, that's like mm-hmm. when Gina was yeah. talking about that in her book, too. All right. So that's it for this week. We are definitely going to revisit this topic again because there are so many stories to tell. Got more, um, got this, more. This doesn't even, yeah, this doesn't even get us started on it. So we'll come back to this one again at some point. But for now, Anthony, where can people find you on the internet? So as always, you can also find me on the Watchers in the Fourth Dimension podcast, watching our way through all of Doctor Who from 1963 until now. We are coming to the end of series twelve or season 12, Tom Baker's first season. As always, you can find us on... Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, anywhere really where you like to get your podcasts, including probably wherever you're listening to this one. And you can also follow us on social media at at Watchers4D, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, what's the other one? Facebook. (laughs) That one. (laughs) That one. And you can also find me personally on Instagram at at EnglishmanInATL. Robbo. Hey, kids, you can find me uh, on the radio uh, playing the platters that matter on Wednesday nights from seven to nine central. Uh, It's a little show called Juxtaposition and uh, it's Wednesdays. Uh, If you miss it because you have a life and you do stuff, uh, all the shows are archived for two weeks. So you can listen to two weeks, two weeks worth of shows. Uh, Also, it is available on the TuneIn radio app as well. Steph, Steph, Steph. Okay, you can find me at my website, which is therearebirds.com. You can find me on Facebook at Stephanie Seymour Music. Instagram is there underscore are underscore birds. And Bandcamp, of course, you can find me on Bandcamp. And uh, Era Era YouTube, go look at my video. There was a time. It's almost at 2.7 thousand views. 2.7,000, right? 2,700. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> 2.7K. <laughs> I wasn't ever good at math, you know. I'm not so- <laughs> and uh, yeah, you can find me at these places. Awesome. And go look at my website, cosmicpress.com, K O Z M I C press.com. I have a list there of all my podcasts. You did it? I did it. I edited my, and it doesn't look great. It's just text, but still it's a list and you can click on them and you can go to all the things. It's, uh, you can find modern musicology there, which you've already found. You can find earth station Trek. You can find Alan's record bin and you can find Dr. Who A to Z. Boom. Yeah. All right. So we're out of here. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. We will be back next week with, uh, something. I don't know what, but we'll, we'll have to figure that out. So have a great week and. Keep on rocking. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network. 
your station for all things geek.